Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome back to another episode of MS Minute with DCND. Today, we are going to be talking about um, a kind of important tool to use in um, diagnosing MS, and that is imaging. Joining us today is Dr. Doug Pugar, a neurologist at Dayton Center for Neurological Disorder. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. So let's just get right into it. Um, What are the different types of imaging that you use um, when diagnosing and treating and, I guess, monitoring MS? Well, the most important tool um, in evaluating and monitoring patients for MS is definitely the MRI. Um, We can sometimes see some abnormalities on a CT scan, but generally that's not going to provide nearly enough detail. Um, And so MRI is really the the Cadillac of tests for, from an MS standpoint. So what exactly is an MRI and how does it work? MRI stands for magnetic resonance imaging. Um, It's basically a very powerful magnetic field. um, And there's a lot of complicated physics involved, but um, that's what helps to generate the image. Okay. And what exactly do you look for on the image that it generates? For the sake of MS, um, what we're specifically looking for is signs of demyelination, um, or plaques, as we sometimes call them. Um, On certain sequences, these will typically show up as bright spots within the brain. Okay, so once you have those spots, then uh, an MS diagnosis is, is presented? So Not necessarily. Um, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of where exactly are those spots, how do they look. Um, there are a great many MS mimickers out there. Um, so very often what we'll see on an MRI report is this phrase, nonspecific white matter disease. Um, and with that, the radiologist is basically describing the white spots that are seen. Um, but the overwhelming majority of people who have that nonspecific white matter disease do not have MS. Uh, more commonly, it's related to um, just age-related hardening of the arteries. Um, migraine can sometimes cause those changes. There's a number of other um, processes that can cause it too. Um, but in the right clinical setting, depending on the patient's presentation and symptoms, if the MRI seems to line up really well with that, um, then it would be much more suggestive of a diagnosis. And there are certain lesions that we might see either shaped a certain way or in certain areas of the brain, um, which are generally much more suspicious for MS specifically. Okay. So from a patient's perspective, can you um, walk us through how an MRI works and what they would experience? So for most MRIs, um, it can be a bit claustrophobic. It's a very narrow tube. Um, You lie down on a table and the table will slide you back into the scanner. Um, And yeah, more or less just lie there real still for about 20 minutes or so, depending on how many different areas are being evaluated. 
Um, it's generally pretty noisy. The, the magnet, when it's on and generating the image, it makes a lot of pings and pangs. Um, but a lot of imaging facilities will provide some music or, or things for the, the patient to listen to to help keep them calm. Um, for people that are severely claustrophobic, there are some open MRIs available as well um, that are slightly less narrow, less claustrophobic. Are there any risks um, for getting an MRI? Um, there could be, but generally there's a, a screening process that helps ensure that there wouldn't be. Um, because it is such a powerful magnet, um, that we have to be very careful to make sure that no metal, at least no magnetic metal, is going through the scanner. Um, so certain older pacemakers or other medical devices um, you know, patients who have any other metal fragments in their body, um, they might not be able to go into an MRI because it would be unsafe. Um, now, a lot of the newer medical devices like pacemakers are MRI compatible. Um, so typically the imaging facility uh, will just complete a screening form and make sure that there's a 100% chance it's going to be safe. Are there different types of MRIs? There are. Um, different facilities may have different strengths of the magnet. Um, in general, the stronger the magnet, the higher quality of image you're going to obtain. Um, we also have different specific studies we can order within the MRI. Obviously, uh, the biggest breakdown there being what part of the body are we imaging. So for MS, we almost always include the brain, um, but very often might include regions of the spinal cord as well. It's still the same basic process as you go through the scanner. Um, the other breakdown would be whether or not your doctor decides to order it without contrast alone or with and without contrast. And that contrast can be very helpful in distinguishing a brand new lesion or an active MS lesion versus an old lesion that might have been there for a longer stretch of time. So that brings me to another um, interesting point in question of how often uh, an MS patient would have to get one of these scans, because it's not just used for diagnosing, correct? Correct. We, we do use MRIs to monitor our patients as well, because with our newer medications, um, they've gotten substantially good and powerful to the point that our new benchmark for therapy is we want to see no evidence of disease activity. So not only does that mean we don't want our patients having any clinical exacerbations, but we also don't want to see any new lesions popping up on their MRI. Um, so depending on the specifics of the patient case and what therapy they're on, um, a good rule of thumb, most MS patients will probably be imaged at least once per year. Um, and that'll be for the purely monitoring purposes. But then if they do ever experience a sudden new symptom, if the doctor is concerned that this might represent an acute exacerbation or a new plaque, then the doctor may order a repeat image sooner with and without contrast to see if there is indeed a new lesion there. Okay. And about how long does it take you, um, the, the physician, to get the results back from an, uh, um, an MRI? Well, probably the, the biggest rate limiting step is getting it approved through insurance and then getting it scheduled. Um, in most cases, it's a fairly quick turnaround time in this regard, um, but sometimes um, insurance does release a denial 
and that could require prior authorizations and things like that, which would dramatically slow the process down. Um, but once the MRI is approved, um, generally, in, in my experience at least, uh, the imaging facility is able to get it scheduled within a matter of just a few weeks. And then after the study is done, generally, we have a radiology report back within just a day or so. And as long as the facility provides a disc, which could be turned into the doctor, or if the doctor has access to log into that system remotely, um, then the neurologist, him or herself, can review those images directly. Okay, and get in touch with the patient if need be, or follow up at their next appointment with it. Great. All right, um, is there anything else I'm missing about MRI that you would like patients to know? Well, one question that we do get a lot um, when, when MRIs are being ordered, patients will sometimes ask, well, why aren't you getting my MRI with contrast? Um, very often for the case of MS, we will want that contrast. Um, but the, um, the contrast can be a little bit hard on the kidneys. Um, generally, for people with healthy kidneys, um, this doesn't pose a problem. The, the body's able to clear it very quickly and easily. Um, but it's not completely benign to keep giving contrast. So often very early in the diagnosis, most of the scans will be with and without contrast because we want to ensure that stability. Um, but if a patient is not having new clinical symptoms, and if they've been stable for a long time, um, your neurologist might decide we don't need the contrast anymore. Uh, because at some point, it doesn't matter as much to us whether or not something is enhancing. If there's any new lesion at all, um, that's a sign that there's been disease activity. And so we can sometimes um, spare our patients all that excess contrast. Okay, very interesting. Dr. Pugar, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure.